also we've missed how many games? Bournemouth, Rostov, Rostov, Chelsea and uh, Borough since uh, we recorded last. That's right. I believe we did not cover the festival of football that was Man United away at Rostov. What an exciting encounter. That was so much to break down and discuss about that one too. Yes, mainly the pitch, which broke down a lot. And was disgusting. Really, really an absolute cabbage patch. And uh, you know, just played long goal game, uh, probably probably non league standard. Uh, well, not not quite, but uh, you know, um, in terms of the football, not quite non league standard. Not much above it though. Uh, slightly better against Borough. A uh, weird game against Chelsea. Obviously, very affected by the uh, the sending off uh, and a disappointing draw home to Bournemouth. I think we've missed all of that. Yeah, that one. That one hurt. That one hurt a lot, didn't it? That Bournemouth draw it hurt almost as much as all the other terrible draws we've yeah, had this well, season. Yeah, uh, well, we've won away from home more often than we've won at home this season. And it's the thing that may or may not um, stop United progressing into the next season's Champions League. It looks like the Europa League might be the best bet. Maybe. Well, well, who knows? Not now we're uh, flying high in the league. Like, it's all changed now, isn't it? Whoa. It's all changed it's been, now. It's been a crazy weekend. I mean, <laughs> we were, were in sixth place for 100 days. Uh, and then yeah. we were in seventh. Uh, and then we are in fifth. <laughs> and the, the Mourinho outers came out when uh, when we dropped down to seventh for a while. Yeah, it's so funny. It really reminded me, actually, the conversation about about Mourinho really reminded me of what was going on before we went on that long winning run earlier this season. There's There are a lot of people out there who never wanted him at the club, which is understandable, sure, um, who are just waiting. They're just waiting for things to not be good. And they're like, right, see, ha <laughs> ha. Things yeah. are not good. Of course, all people that have got Man United's best interests at heart, no doubt. Sure. I, look, and in, in sort of a, a macro sense, United being seventh isn't really good enough, is it? No, uh, it is not. It, yeah. Uh, and g- given the talent available, I think it's probably better than seventh. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Just about. Just Although, uh, looking at some of our defending today against Middlesbrough, you, you might question that. Um, Mike Smalling not having his best game and or season. Uh, uh, but, like, OK, so what, where, where do we go? Um, Bournemouth, really, really disappointing. Uh, pattern that's been repeated. You know, just a... Uh, just terrible. Um, then a to Rostov, uh, just an ugly, ugly game of football, which uh, Mourinho did, did the right thing, played three at the back and just launched it, basically, because you can play football through midfield. Paul Pogba took a hell of a lot of criticism for that game. I'm, I'm, I was thinking to myself, I mean, of all the games, and, and you know, it, it wasn't his best performance, um, for sure, but of all the games to criticise him for, that's not the one where the ball no. was just going over his head all the time. Yeah, it was wacky. It was really wacky, the response to Paul Pogba, almost as if there are social, socio-cultural forces at work in the discussion mm. around Interesting around that, yes, yes. Not enough effort the... being made by Paul Pogba, <laughs> right? Uh, I think uh, Ron Atkinson would agree with that. Uh, the... And also, and not also the the you want more from a ninety million pound player. This came on the back of the Bournemouth game, where I think he 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 had that that chance late on and just really lacked composure. But every time I see ninety million pound player, I just want to shake people and go, "You have to stop calling him that. You have to stop calling him that as if it means what it meant even twelve months ago." Like. The deal was 105 million euros, right? It was a huge amount of money, but it would have been 74 million pounds had it gone through at the beginning of June, first of all. And um, second of all, this is the summer in which Granite Xhaka moved for 35 million pounds. There is a new paradigm. Uh, Islam Slimani was 30 million pounds for Leicester. That the Transfer fees just don't mean what they used to. The Pogba transfer is so obviously an equivalent of a fifty million pound transfer a year and a half ago. Mm. So yes. you want good from him. You want you want consistently good from him. You want him to be one of the best midfielders in the league. But you cannot expect him to be Ronaldo or Bale or whatever. You know. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that's. Uh... The way I necessarily see it, okay, fine. That's a that's a way of defending him, saying, well, you know, uh, perhaps you shouldn't slap the price tag on it. The expectations are too high. I, I think the expectations should be high. I think he's got all the talent to be uh, the best central midfielder on the planet, and he's not quite shown it 
this season. And let's hope it's a season of of some progression and and bedding in and and fitting back into what is not a great Manchester United side. And and as the side improves, he'll improve with it. You know, I, I prefer to kind of see it like that. I think expectations should be high around him because he's a he's a superb player. Anyway, so that that was that- Rostov, and then then went on to. Um, Chelsea, and for the first 20 minutes or so, United looked good. I think everyone assumed yeah. that, that Mourinho would park the bus, eight at the back, and and uh, do the full Inter, as you called it. Or yeah. do the full Middlesbrough, as we shall now call it. <laughs> yeah, right. And <laughs> and uh, it, it didn't really work out like that until the sending off. Yeah, and that game really reminded me of the Champions League quarterfinal against Real Madrid, where the second leg, where expectations were so... Uh, kind of weighted against United in a way. We were we were heavy second favourites for that fixture, and like people have had a go at Mourinho for blaming circumstances, and can kind of understand that in a way. Blaming circumstances is never a good look in general, but you also have to be realistic about these things. Like everything that could have gone wrong for that game basically went wrong. Now some of this is actually some of this is on Mourinho in a way, like there hasn't been enough rotation throughout the season. But you have this concatenation of circumstances where we're drawn away to Chelsea, which is obviously the worst available draw in the FA Cup. So not the end of the world, but that's bad luck, you could say. Immediately following that, we're drawn in the champion uh, in the Europa League against a team as far away as we could have travelled uh, on a pitch that was immediately deemed unplayable by the Russian Premier League. Like, the Russian Premier League said this pitch is not good enough. So uh, this is very hard to deal with. Uh, plus you have the suspension to Ibrahimovic, which is a huge factor. And then you get the injuries to Martial, Rooney, that's that's less of a thing. But, you know, the the options kind of decrease around him. And I just... And then it all goes... He, he gets it, I think, tactically basically right. Putting Jones on Hazard was quite... It, it reminded me of what Fergie did, putting Jones on Ronaldo in that game. United looked kind of absolutely at the races, ready to go. And then Michael Oliver comes in and, and, and is the final nail in the concatenation of circumstances coffin. Right, yeah. And uh, I, I, I didn't uh, feel the need to blame Mourinho at all for what happened in that game. Um, I think Michael Oliver got it horribly wrong for the uh, the Herrera red card. I know some uh, some some uh, amateur referees in social media have supported that decision, um, and uh, certainly the analysts in the BBC studio did as well. But I thought they all got the they just got it wrong. Basically, <laughs> I mean, it's quite easy to go look up the rules and the uh, the guidance around it. Uh, obstruction: you have to the ball has to be neither, not playable by either player, and you have to move into the path of the player. You know, and Herrera stood still at the the point of impact, so that's never obstruction. Um, and the second one, he's tripped the player. Um, but there was this bizarre thing going around trying to say in some way, yeah, the individual gets blamed for the the team, you know, based on some dumb blog post from eight years ago. Um, uh, and that was totally wrong as well. Anyway, um, I've never written 1,200 words on a referee before, but people annoyed me, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking down the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, yeah, the point being, United were pretty unlucky with that one, very, very soft um, and it completely changed the the style pattern and narrative of the game, didn't it? And it's kind of allowed Chelsea to uh, somehow sit on some moral high horse. Antonio Conte can't do a press conference now without talking about United trying to kick Hazard off the pitch. Um, United made 14 fouls in the game. Uh, the average number of fouls in the Premier League is between 11 and 14, depending on the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were kicking Hazard a bit, though. To be fair, like especially six, yeah. early in that game, <laughs> yeah, six times there were there were five fouls on him in in the first twenty five minutes or so, uh, spread around the team. But there is no team punishment here, lads. Uh-uh. Um, the the uh, the thing that you, I mean, it, the circumstances I think were extremely hostile to our chances of success. It, it you know, every one of those things that happened removed an, an extra option. I, I think it's also arguable that Mourinho removed an extra option by taking Mkhitaryan off when the sending off happened. That wasn't his only choice at that point. And certainly he, he could maybe have even brought Carrick on instead of Fellaini. Um, right, to to retain a bit of possession. Yeah, but, you know, th- th- 
this is I, I think at that point it's you know it's it's not the worst decision in the world is it to to bring Fellaini on and and take Mkhitaryan off at that point lots of people later on in the game sort of saying oh he should have taken off Rashford and played Mkhitaryan as a, as a false nine and you think imagine the criticism that would have followed if he'd yeah. taken the one striker off the off the pitch you know? no my only criticism there is that uh, we're still under the pretense that Fellaini can do anything other than get on the back stick <laughs> and, and nod it in. I mean, that's his, that's his only useful... Hey, uh, hey. Useful. Yeah, no, no, not, he, it's he, not the right way right to talk about this because you're missing the second half of FC Rostov where Maro and Zidane turned up. <laughs> no, no, I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. Um, uh, y- yes, yeah, no, no. Lovely chest control from the fella. Uh, but that's, that's his two, you know, well, he's, you know... Number one and number two most useful traits are the left and the right elbow. Number three and number four is chest control and being able to nod it in at the back stick. Um, you know, we've seen those two things this week, haven't we? But apart from that, he can't defend uh, at all. You know, he's just horrible defender. So putting him in the middle of the park to defend is, is uh, you know, always counterproductive. But look, still, uh, picking on one thing there, generally speaking, I don't think United could have done much more. Aside from the last 10 to 15 minutes of that, game against Chelsea and they just didn't gamble just didn't gamble at all and you know maybe you say they were tired or whatever but it felt like they'd accepted a defeat narrow defeat and walk away say hey it was the circumstances what robbed us yeah absolutely and and that is never ideal but I think some of the criticism that he's received in the wake of that game has been just way way over the top because it was it was such difficult circumstances and then we flash forward to the Thursday night after the uh, Rostov game uh, and, you know, we're talking about Pogba and expectations and the criticism around him. And one of the things that hasn't been discussed nearly enough in the analysis of Pogba is that is how much football he's played in the last year and a half because there was, a you know, the weight of expectation on him in the summer was absolutely, you know, uh, immense and so he had this very kind of physically and emotionally draining summer in terms of playing for France and then the kind of expectation around the move to United there's no proper pre-season and he plays 90 minutes every game and so eventually after the Rostov Chelsea Rostov cocktail his uh, his hamstring went unsurprisingly pop and uh, and you can imagine Raymond Verheyen going look this right here is what we call an avoidable muscle injury. Yeah, well, no, for sure, absolutely for sure. I mean, um, uh, in our match preview on the the website, uh, Liam said that this was the game that Pogba had to be rested in, you know, and uh, lo and behold, he gets injured. He's played more games than United than any other player for United this season, including De Gea, who you'd think being in goal wouldn't be that tired. You know, obviously mentally tired and all of that, and he needs to be sharp being in that position, but not as physically tired as Pogba clearly is. Um, I, I, you know, and he will get three weeks rest now, but three weeks recovering from injuries, not three weeks or even a week of uh, proper rest, is it? It's a very different thing, and he's going to be trying to build up that fitness again. Um, worst possible way of having the rest, really. We got a tweet from at Hez133 literally before that game with the number of minutes played. Uh, so it's 3,587. And I guess that is all the competitions that who scored measure minutes for. Um, he says De Gea has played 2,970 minutes and asked whether we were burning Pogba out. And obviously, like, that was, that was a very prescient tweet because. Mm. Well, I mean, Mourinho admitted it um, and uh, he said it was because of fatigue. And, uh, he, of course, he didn't take any criticism himself there because, uh, no, one can possibly do that. Um, he has overused him. And, you know, there's a question about Zlatan when Zlatan comes back from his uh, enforced absence, whether um, whether uh, he could have done with a rest earlier in the season. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll be a blessing in disguise for Zlatan having to sit out three games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, because he'd been used an awful lot as well. Yeah, and in, in a way, it's kind of the ideal combination of rest and activity for Zlatan because he got to play the Europa League games so he could keep himself, you know, kind of involved and, like, keep all, keep all the keep all the motors running but but then you know get some proper rest in between so that's maybe maybe the ideal balance um there um oh by the way ed as people will know when they're listening to this this is episode 300 of our podcast the 300th rant cast that's a that's a lot of rant casts 
And is a lot. I wonder if it, there's anyone out there who's had to listen to all 300. This is what I was wondering. I, there can't be, there cannot be anyone that's listened to all of them. If you have, uh, drop us a line on Twitter. Um, but to celebrate... Uh, and talking of Zlatan, we've got a lovely giveaway from the good people at The Art of Football, who you can follow at art underscore of underscore football on Twitter. Uh, their fantastic explosive Zlatan t-shirt. Um, so if you want to win this, uh, just uh, tell us what your favourite Zlatan goal was this season um, and and why. The, the why is key. Like it's going to be it's going to be based on who makes us like chuckle the most mostly um so just use hashtag rankcast uh and put in why what your favorite Zlatan goal of the season was and why to win an art of football t-shirt so yeah that 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 Rostov game was not much of a spectacle was it uh the second one no uh well neither of them uh no it was very 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 dull United uh probably playing at about 90 percent or so I'd say um uh, and another another tactical change from Mourinho played three at the back there. He's sort of switched between threes and fours in the last few weeks, hasn't he? Or 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 sevens and fours. <laughs> I mean, I think mostly he's only really played three at the back against Rostov because I think people said he played three at the back against Chelsea, and then like the end of the game against Borough, that was a weird thing. We'll come on to that. But like against Chelsea, Jones was not playing in defence in that game. Like he was he was definitely playing in midfield, man marking Hazard, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, sort of. But yeah, that, that was a. And, and you know, you mentioned Fellaini's chest control, but actually, it wasn't just his chest control. The thing about Fellaini is, at least ten times for Manchester United, he has played really well. Um, my friend Cal Cal Gildart looked it up and like went through all his performances and reckons that he's he, this was this was about eight or nine weeks ago. Reckons that. Fellaini's probably had about 15 good games for United, about 10 of which were excellent. And actually, his, just his all-round play was very good. It wasn't just the chess control. It was also what he then subsequently did with the ball. And this never lasts when Fellaini does it, but it is worth saying he has it in him. It's just such a small percentage of the time. It's absolutely not worth gambling on and hoping it happens. Yeah, it is terrible. It's just <laughs> uh, 15 good games in three years. Three and a half years. It's, it's, it's not it's, good. Yeah, it's, it's not good it's, numbers. It's not good numbers. It's not good numbers. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, it's rather like Rooney. I don't want to, you know, dog on the guy too much, but um, uh, he's he's never been a Manchester United standard player, and uh, it's amazing that he still is a Manchester United standard player. But you know, uh, changes do happen. Um, look at Antonio Valencia. We. Uh, we mocked the guy for a number of seasons, didn't we? And uh, he's having a fantastic season at right back. Switched to the right wing today. And what does he do? Score his first goal in three years. <laughs> yes. All, all down to his own skill, of course. <laughs> so shall we um, shall we abandon all pretense of talking about these terrible games that have happened in, the, in our absence? Um, which, by the way, if anyone listening doesn't follow us on social media, Ed, congratulations. Congratulations are in order. This is this has been a an enforced podcast break of the good variety, hasn't it? Uh, yes. Still don't have a name for how is little marijuana? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. I'm going hipster. I'm just going to call him Fellaini as a as a first name. Yeah. <laughs> that is kind of a call. For, I mm, I think that kind of works. To be honest, like, I'm not. I wouldn't be fully against. Yeah. It, stick, stick stick a beanie on Henrik. him. Henrik. Uh, off you go. Yeah. For a Warby Parkers. It was the Rostov game, wasn't it? So it was Mkhitaryan scored. Right. Was that the what was the I can't even remember that we won that game no Mata scored so you can call him one. Oh no it was the first Rostov game which yeah, was the yeah. Mkhitaryan goal so Henrik gotta call him Henrik let's you gotta call him Henry <laughs> no I don't think so yeah there's uh, there's me streaming the game on my phone very good stream by the way um, uh, in the hospital yeah <laughs> You are a parody of a 1950s dad, but with access to 21st century technology there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, No, all well. Um, One more, one more to add to the rank crew. When Um, are we getting him on the pod? uh, You know, he's probably got to talk first, just a little bit. Okay. All right, cool. Um, But yeah, so uh, after the terrible Rostov game came... A comfortable trip to the riverside, a great starting eleven that everyone was happy with, and we walk away three-one winners, no bother. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, again, a very low-quality game, although I think we probably 
uh, thought that it, it would be looking at the team lineup before the game. Um, really, only Marcus Rashford and, and late in the game, Jesse Lingard uh, managed to add some quality for United, you know, running with the ball. They look dangerous most of the afternoon. The rest of it, not great from United. Um, loads and loads of possession. Middlesbrough a terrible side. Uh, United couldn't really string much together, uh, but managed to get away with three goals. I'm not sure the performance was meriting three goals, but in the circumstances, given how tired the team are, given the changes that have had to be made with all the injuries and suspensions and another change in formation, um, a a really, really fine win. Yeah, just so important, isn't it? It's just it's just a kind of it was the, the kind of game that you really can't afford. We we obviously couldn't afford to drop points. Um because we've already had so many games where we couldn't afford to drop points where we have. Yeah, I mean, actually, I I think 3-1 doesn't particularly flatter us. If you think about the kind of all the Rashford chances and half chances that he kind of carved out in the first half with his his excellent running, um, he was just electric until just in front of goal, wasn't he? Uh, a couple of like slightly misplaced passes and, a, and and finishes that he, I guess, would expect to do better. Oh, yeah, that Chelsea one, like people have been having a go at him for not scoring oh. when he got the ball and ran half the length of the pitch and then couldn't no, quite... No, it was a world-class save by Courtois, just done brilliantly to to close down the angle there. Yeah, yeah. not no, having that no, at all. No, me neither. That's, I just thought it was important that we have an official rank cast declaration on people having a pop at Rashford for that nonsense. Um, but yeah, uh, he probably should have done better with at least one of his chances against Borough. But the flip side of that is to be critical of a 19-year-old who's had, what, three games at centre-forward this season is just laughable. Yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of symptomatic of a bigger problem for United. United are 17th in terms of shots to... Um, so chances to chances converted in the Premier League. Uh, worst is, uh, by the way, Borough. Um, uh, United are worst in terms of big chances converted. Um, and, you know, this is just the story of the season, really. Uh, this is why they've drawn too many games. And, and, you know, it's not all, certainly not all Rashford's fault because most of the time he's been playing off the left. Um, and he looks so much more dangerous running through the middle. And it's a pity for him. Uh, that Valdez pulled off a very good save and uh, for the, his first chance and then the second one, I think uh, Rashford should have done better. But, um, I, you know, I'm sure it'll come, composure over time. And we've seen it before from him. And then I, I think if you played him 10 games in a row in, in centre-forward position, he'd be scoring plenty of goals in this team because United uh, play more through balls than any other team in the league um, and have had more shots on goal than everyone bar Liverpool. So, you know, creating loads and loads of chances, have a team set up for creating chances and, and can't take them. What was interesting today is when I looked at the starting eleven, the thing that would was most worrying was the potential for that team to really misfire in terms of chance creation. Because if you look at the kind of key creative influences in that game, like Carrick and Mata, you could say, well, Carrick isn't like... Carrick isn't all about directly creating big chances, is he? He's about, like, setting up patterns of play and stuff. Mata, you would kind of bank on. But everyone else, you're just hoping they have a good game. Like, Lingard, play, I, he actually, as it turns out, did have a very good game. Both in terms of man of the match for the goal he scored, I guess. But also, like, he did slip through Rashford a good few times. Really good weight on on passing, really good decision-making. But, but that isn't every time Lingard plays. It's not like that. So that was nice that that happened but it was a worry. Uh, Valencia, well, I don't think anyone expected him to play an attacking capacity in the way that he did, it, it, looking at the starting eleven. but you know that you're hoping for the best. And, and the same with Young, like when the best comes, it's great, but it's it's not always there. So that was, a, that was a big worry. But actually it was unfounded because they really, all of those players played well in that game. Like Young and a beautiful cross for Fellaini's goal. Uh, it was Palace and City all over again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the irony is that Young probably has less than 10 assists in his time at United. <laughs> I was, was going to look it up I, for you. He has I, I, a few more than that, but it's not many, you know. No, no, the funny thing is absolutely. that is exactly the kind of thing that some people think that Young does. Except he just doesn't. Um, so, but yeah. I was going to look it. I was going to look it up for you because I was going to say, oh, he's just increased the percentage of assists he's got for United by like whatever it is, six percent or whatever one assist represents. 
I know. Um, look, some decent performances from United players. Lingard, especially in the second half, looked good, didn't he? You know, attacking uh, on the break. I thought Rashford was good apart from the finishing. Mm-hmm. Um, Fellaini did fine in the centre of midfield, you know, scored yep. the goal. Uh, the fullbacks did okay, while well, Young did okay. I thought Bay looked a bit uncomfortable, um, yep. didn't he? Certainly for the, the first half, Gaston Ramirez gave him a bit of a tough time. Um yep. Uh, not so good. Uh, the two centre backs <laughs> a bit of a mess. I mean, Mike Smalling, my God. I, I, I have to say, you know, on on our Rankcast WhatsApp group, you've uh, you've been shouting the uh, hashtag Smalling out um, for a while, haven't you? And I've been more of a defender of him. It's hard to defend him after that. That was that was park football stuff. Yeah, honestly, he just looks worried all the time. He just, it's, this is the thing, he, he's constantly terrified and he spreads terror all around him. And, you know, he he just had a game today where, I mean, he's better than that. He's better than trying to head the ball and the ball's not where he thinks it is. So he just heads midair and like air shots in the box for, for the Borough goal like that. You know, he's just picking his wrong foot to swing at the ball. Those are those are mistakes born of of they're not born of technical ability like he can do all the things he needs to do they're born of uh something going on in his head they're born of lack of confidence or whatever it might be um because because that's about microscopic decision making and his microscopic decision making's all over the place at the moment yes which has been a trait throughout his career and and it was the uh, the lack of errors which was the biggest uptick in his last campaign um, and half of the previous one, I suppose. So, uh, big big decision for Mourinho to make in the summer, really, because uh, you know, you, although United haven't conceded a lot of goals uh, this season, it's more structural than than individual, isn't it? You know, and you, you do wonder whether um, if he had two really high class central defenders, he couldn't go one v one a bit more often, and then open up a little bit more up front. You know, it's the thing that Fergie always used to say. He, he said he wanted central defenders who were comfortable in 1v1 situations so the rest of the team could attack. Now, Mourinho isn't quite that as a, a kind of attacking coach. Um, but I do wonder whether, you know, his teams are structured a little, you know, a little bit more rigidly. Um, and that's exacerbated by his lack of confidence in his central defenders, you know, whichever formation it is, you know, because there's been a hell of a lot of changes in, in that central defending partnerships this season I wonder if he doesn't I, I, I'm sure he would have played Rojo out of choice in that in, in this game I, well I'm not sure but I suspect he would have played Rocco by preference but you know we had Banana Gate so Rocco was exhausted yes <laughs> um, have you ever seen a player eat a banana on the pitch before I'm not sure I have I've seen tennis players do it but uh, not footballers Jaffa Cakes Rio Ferdinand had Jaffa Cakes on the pitch for sure um uh, it makes sense. Like, as Mourinho said, you know, when you have you ever been exhausted? When he was like, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever been exhausted, but I know what it's like to be exhausted. I know what it's like when the body needs something, anything. The player asks for a banana. The banana is. And then the, the guy asking the question obviously chuckled because how could you not? And he says, it is not to laugh. <laughs> it is to respect. <laughs> respect the banana. Yeah, the banana is not to laugh. The banana is to respect. And, you know, it was funny just because he gave it to Ashley Young and Ashley Young carried the banana down the pitch and gave it to him. Unwrapped as well, which was interesting. Like, unpeeled, I guess. It's not a wrapper, is it? Well, a bit, I was bit of a hygiene issue that, But then the, my favourite bit of it was that Mourinho finished a little bit of banana that was left in the banana skin. It was the whole... Yeah, of course, of course Rojo's probably not worried about hygiene normally because he just burns the <laughs> out of all the food he has. Um, this was uh, this was a, a pleasing moment in an otherwise terrible game. Yeah, so, I mean, Rojo clearly far more comfortable at centre-back than he is at left-back, far more. Um, but still, big decision because, like, who of his centre-backs could you truly be happy with? I mean, Smalling's had a bad season, Jones in and out, running good form when he was playing with Rojo for a while. Rojo probably had the, the best of that trio and Bay looks good for the most part when he's been in but he's had a few injury problems and he was obviously away um and he will be again in a well not next season season after that so you know it's an issue anyway so I think in the summer it's pretty obvious United need to buy a really top class central defender and, and I guess one or maybe two will go um as a result of that we'll see 
even like even at by his best, you want someone alongside him that he can trust. You just basically, you know, you just don't want Smalling there because of the effect that he has on that back four, the kind of shakiness with which he plays the game. Um, that that is that is undoubtedly his worst quality as a defender because apart from use of the ball which he kind of makes up for with good decision-making on the ball. Like, he he doesn't give it away that often because he never asks anything of himself with the ball, so fair enough. But apart from that, he's kind of got all the tools that you need defensively. Like, he's actually really good at reading the game. His, his tackling is obviously excellent. He's good in the air. He's very physically strong. But the but it's just, it's all in his head, you know. And, and that, that, that of everything is kind of makes it make makes it make sense when you see the the, the the gap between him when he's good and him when he's not because it is just about how he feels. Good, some good work with a sports psychologist would go a long way with Chris Morning, I'd say. Yeah, he should also practice his shin control a little bit better. <laughs> well, it's not like there's anyone in the United camp that could help with, like, world-class shin control. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, maybe if he was in the final third, he could do a, a couple of shin assists. <laughs> Um, look, any, anyway, what, what, what does that leave United in? Fifth place, is it? Yes. Um, and within sight, within sight of the Champions League places. Yeah. And three points, worst goal difference, three points and a game in hand. Although I think that game's against City, but still. Uh, that's where we stand in relation. And I think we're four points off second at the moment as we record this. That that will all change this weekend, potentially. Yeah. Um, well, you know... Um, uh, City and Liverpool play today, right? So they'll uh, they'll take points off each other. Um, uh, oh yes, Spurs are currently winning two 0 So I guess we're not going to be two points off, four points off second place by the end of this game. Yeah, whatevs. <laughs> we yeah, we need one of those fine. teams, one of those teams to slip up over the last ten games of the season, don't we? Um, or it's yeah, the Europa yeah. League and uh, United drew Anderlecht, which was probably, apart from Genk, uh, the best draw we could get. I guess you know, not too far to travel. Um, not a yep. particularly high quality team, and uh, you'd think United would be favourites to progress, and and that's into the semi-finals of the uh, the Europa League. Yeah, I mean we've got every capacity to not succeed in when we're favourites, but we are we're big favourites for that game, and, and like yeah. the travel thing is massive because our fixture list is absolutely ridiculous after the international break between the end of the international break and the end of the season there's just yeah. so many games all the time well it could, could be another 16 games if United make the Europa League final which yeah. is a hell of a lot and it's been 48 already this season so you know it's it's been a brutal schedule with what is not the biggest squad United have ever had um, and, and, and Mourinho like has deliberately narrowed it down lost two players in uh, in the winter and there's quite a few players who haven't played a lot of games until recently. Um, he hasn't rotated really heavily until the last sort of you know four or five games, really. And even and even so, apart from maybe what you'd say, Ashley Young, everyone else has been. You know, he hasn't dipped into the deep reaches of the reserves. Fosumens is still not playing. Schreinsteiger's not playing. Luke Shaw obviously not playing. Like he played against Bournemouth, yeah. and was not very good, sadly. No, um, and doesn't you know? I mean, look, would you expect him to be good? He's barely played, and then you throw him in, no, and no. Uh, I think it's pretty no, unfair to absolutely. go. Well, that's your test, lad. <laughs> no, so sorry, you failed <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> now you're out again. Well, that doesn't sound like Mourinho mm. at all. <laughs> an, an, an unfair, unpassable test designed only to prove that he was right all yeah. along. <laughs> who, who are we talking about? Here? I know quite. Um, so look, ne- next few games. West Brom, Everton, both at home, Sunderland away, and late, and then the Chelsea game. You know, and it's, it's a real shame that Chelsea game is is pinned in between the the um, the two Europa League games, isn't it? Um, yeah, although it's a lot. Is, is it no. is it away or home first? Do you know the no, so it's away and later then home to Chelsea, right. but it's still it's still Thursday Sunday. Yeah, it's just nowhere near as painful, is it? as like Russia away on a terrible pitch like a hop across to Belgium Belgium's barely further than like I don't know if we're drawn against Portsmouth in the FA Cup well, or something yeah yeah, fair enough um, but still you know hardly ideal the Thursday the Thursday the Thursday the Thursday <laughs> Sunday thing and and you know people say it shouldn't be any worse than Wednesday Saturday but it, it does appear to be especially with the travel um, when you've got that away one because um, it means recovery day is, is Friday light training session on the Saturday then travel if you have to. Luckily, United don't have to travel, which, you know, this this time round, um, it was absolutely brutal because they basically didn't get a training session before having to go up to Middlesbrough. 
Um, and this is why, uh, you know, Mourinho was so, so sort of, you know, strong in his criticism of the Premier League before that game or, you know, after the Rostov game saying that they they don't give a damn about or they don't give an S, I think he said. <laughs> they don't give a about uh, English teams. And, and that's right. I mean, the Premier League have been like that for some time. Scheduling is done by the TV companies and not for the benefit of the the um, the teams, you know, Mourinho's absolutely right about that. So, you know, we're fortunate it's not as bad the Europa League draw. Yeah, but it's luck rather than judgment, isn't it, that makes it that way. And, and you know, people get really stroppy when Mourinho complains about circumstance because he does do it to a fault. There's no doubt about it. You know, Keane was absolutely freaking out on um, on ITV. He sort of called, called Mourinho's post-match stuff disgraceful and said he said United's reserves could beat Rostov a team that's beaten PSV lost by one goal to Atletico I think beat Bayern or, or at least beat Drew. Bayern yeah. yeah no beat Bayern yeah, at home yeah mm. so you know and and has he seen United's reserves like maybe the under 18s had a, would have had a chance but not the reserves um so that's kind of total nonsense um people were really like when I when I called him out for nonsense I got loads of people saying that it wasn't but he literally said United's reserves could beat Rostov which is Nonsense. Completely nonsense. And also, he then said, maybe the club's too big for Mourinho. And as I'm really sorry, it was a really funny tweet. Someone sent me a tweet, I can't remember who it was, saying, if if United's too big for Mourinho, maybe we should think about downsizing because we're too big for everyone at that point. The man won the league with Real Madrid against Pep Guardiola's Barcelona. It's a joke. Uh, yes, I mean... Um... I do wonder how much of this Keane really believes or it's just, you know, it's just one hot take after another, isn't it? And, uh, you know, he's paid <laughs> to be a pundit. Um, so that's what... Yeah, but I, I think he's... I think it's sincere. I think his brand of... Uh, his very specific brand of acceptable behaviour is what he truly believes. I don't think he's doing it for show. Um, and lots of people, of course, saying like, oh, he's just bitter about United, which I don't think it's got anything to do with that, really. I think it's just that Roy Keane has very specific opinions about things. Yeah. So a couple of weeks until the next game, and that's uh, West Brom at home. And, and the baggies looking really good at the moment. I mean, obviously everybody beats Arsenal. Um, mm. uh, who are far too uh, far too fixated on their competing plane banners? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, imagine having two. <laughs> One was humiliating enough as a club. <laughs> two battling plane banners. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it's so Arsenal, isn't it? Well, you can't say and, it's so uh, Arsenal I mean, when we know. did it. <laughs> like, <that's... laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he, is he going to go? This is it. Imagine if he stays. Imagine the toxicity. No, no, no the, all the noise is that he's going to sign another two-year contract because he, he's in total denial. <sighs> Um, about what is happening, you know, he thinks it's everyone he, else's he blamed, fault. Uh, bad punditry for brainwashing the supporters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's some that's some Moyes level business. That is, I know. I mean, uh, I I had to I had to sort of turn off the TV and and put on uh, some tinfoil uh, before I remembered Arsenal's trophies over the last ten years. Yeah, right. He's bonkers, but hey, at least we don't have David Moyes in charge anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So, play, see, plane banners work. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable tactic for getting what you want. I, I have to say, I, I, you know, um, sort of yeah, on a tangent here, I, I have to admire Moise's sort of uh, determination to go down with the ship. Sunderland, a truly awful team, clearly going to get relegated. Absolutely no sign that they're trying to pick up, um, at least, you know, not to the level they need to do seven points off safety now. And Moise is going to go down with them. Um, and uh, and and it would appear that the owners uh, are quite happy for him to do that. Well, the only silverware he's ever won is the championship, so maybe he wants another. He wants something else to add to his trophy cabinet. Yeah, uh, Moyes is quite bad. He in his first press conference with Sunderland, his opening press conference. Almost everything he said was about laying the groundwork to be able to say, look, I always said this was going to be hard when it didn't work. It's remarkable. And he doesn't do it on purpose. It's it's unconscious. It's what's going on. It's his default mechanism. Yeah, maybe you could go and see the same sports psychologist as uh, Mike Smalling. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, they both, their, both of their careers could be considerably transformed if they dealt with those particular things. Anyway, um, 
I guess uh, we should take some listening questions because we've had a lot in our uh, in our substantial absence, and we will we'll do a show during the international break um, and preview the West Brom game then because we'll have a better idea of whether United will have any players uh, allowed to play by that point. All right. Oh, funnily enough, the first question: A Hardeman saying, "How poor is Small in fixing the summer?" Question mark. So I think we've we've covered off that one. Um, at Match of the Dan says, if Zlatan leaves and you can only replace him with Lukaku or Griezmann, who do you choose? Lukaku saying this week that he would not sign a new contact, contract at Everton. It's an interesting one. Um, Mourinho has signed him. I mean, he's the man who sold him. Yes, of course he would. He said, uh, you know, I, I, I think Griezmann's a better player, but it's it's hard to see where he exactly fits. He's not a natural number nine, is he? And and Lukaku would be, and he scored a bag load of goals, hat trick. No, not hat trick. Two goals at the weekend. He's got more, you know, twenty one now for the season. He could hit thirty for a decent Everton side. I mean, you know, they're a good Everton side, but not a great Everton side. Mm-hmm. It would be a remarkable achievement, and he's. Uh, you know, he's only 24 or something. So yeah. uh, plenty of years left in him. You know, he would be a very, very good number nine. Um, uh, Griezmann, you know, outstanding quality player, just just a world-class player. Uh, it's a little less obvious where he fits in the team, given that United have Mata and Mkhitaryan and Martial and Rashford, you know, and a whole bunch of players who are, of, you know, in the same sort of paradigm of of um, touch players, um, all with a lot of pace, except for Mata. I mean, Mata's got, like, a lot of pace relative to his size. Um, he's just only got his <laughs> yeah. legs, hasn't he? Um, the, uh, the thing about Lukaku, I, I was on the Full-Time Devils uh, preview for Rostov and we had a long chat about Lukaku. Um, and my main issue about signing him would be about Rashford. Because the the thing about Zlatan was it was never opposed to someone coming in and being the number nine ahead of Rashford this season. But if you're saying we're buying in someone to be our net number nine for the next five years, then you know I know there's a lot of games, but actually that really does then limit limit the options unless you really commit to rotation in a way that doesn't come naturally to Mourinho. So, yeah, I think I would go for Griezmann on that basis. But Lukaku's obviously in there. Like, if Lukaku comes to United, I'm sure I'd massively fall in love with him because what what a player, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, either way, there do need to be some attacking changes in the summer because United have fallen short there, you know? And, um, Zlatan, 20, 20, how many goals? 25 goals in all competitions? Something like that. 15 in the league, but um, a really poor conversion rate. Uh, and that, that's... I don't know whether I don't know whether that's just Zlatan being Zlatan or it's you know some sharpness is gone. So he's got a a you know a great number of goals in an average United side, but it should have been a lot more. Yeah, because we're not an average side when it comes to creating chances. We're far above average side on, in that particular sphere. Um, at fund underscore space. Uh, says, what does it mean when Mourinho feels he needs to play four centre-backs and a back six against the mighty Middlesbrough? Uh, we didn't really talk about this during the discussion about the game, but actually when United went 2-0 up, they just did the thing they've been doing all season, which doesn't make any sense and completely retrenched. And that wasn't yeah. even, before it even became like tactical when he took off Mata and brought on Rocco, that just the mentality of the team, they just shrink when they go 2-0 up. Uh, right, yeah, and it almost cost United, didn't it? I mean, I know it's 3-1, but um, Middlesbrough were attacking for the last 15 minutes there and putting a lot of pressure on United. Uh, hor- horrible goal to concede, but um, they created another couple of chances. Um, and we were fortunate, very fortunate to get a comedy goal for the third. So um, I don't think it helped United at all. Clearly got better players than Middlesbrough. Just keep the bloody ball. That's a much better way of defending than than retrenching to a back six and and hoping that, that Mike Smalling doesn't make a mistake. And I guess some of it was actually was about fatigue, mental fatigue and, and physical fatigue and the kind of pressure that... that comes with and that almost the kind of relief and complacency that comes when you go 2-0 up like 2-0 is not a dangerous scoreline statistically of course it's not but there is a thing that can happen at 2-0 at 65 minutes which is that you switch off because you think the job's done when obviously it very clearly isn't osing 91 says how happy is lvg today fellaini and lingard both scored and valdez makes a major mistake although no possession or fullback subs he did bring on damian at the end he did bring on extra fullbacks which is a sort of ultimate lvg tribute it's not swapping them it's bringing on extra ones <laughs> yeah uh, um, yeah, I'm sure he was delighted watching the, the young Fellaini combination work so wonderfully. 
Uh, this is a really interesting question, which I think is worthy of discussion because I've thought about it a lot and I don't know what my answer is. I Priag says, what do you feel about Mourinho thinking that the whole world is against us? He said, we have a lot of enemies, a lot of enemies, a lot of enemies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously part of this is shtick. Yeah. But yep. it's, not, it's the thing it's, he does, yeah. It's not yeah. all shtick. It, it does come from a real place. Well, look, uh, there, of course, are a lot of rival supporters who hate United. Everyone's most hated team is United, um, for the most part. Uh, and uh, and I guess that gives a sense of the world against United. Um, there's a sort of media narrative as well because it... it um, uh, get some nice viewers. United do. They get a nice column in cheers and so on. And it's you know, and and a positive story isn't the best story. Um, I don't know if there's the real thing that matters. You know, I and I don't know whether Mourinho really means this, but whether he means the the FA and the Premier League and referees are against United. I, I don't believe that. Um, I don't think there's any evidence for that. Referees make mistakes. Scheduling has been crappy, but um, that's much more about money than some kind of anti-United agenda. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think this is a way of of you know, circling the wagons. Um, he feels he can get his, the best out of his players like that. Uh, if he can, great. Great. Um, it's not too cringeworthy at the moment. You know, we, we know Mourinho and sometimes he goes over the top with it. And I think at the moment it's, uh, it's just within the bounds of OK. Yeah, to me, the post-Rostov interview was like two steps over the bounds of OK, but two small steps, you know, not like miles away from the, 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 the line was not a dot to him. But, you know, it, it's I it isn't. There is a kind of like he's coming. He's kind of a bit kind of screaming. Come on, we need a siege mentality. Oi, let's have a siege mentality, everyone. You know, there's a kind of like slightly overstated version of it, which I'm not hundred percent convinced is effective. But I also don't think it's the complete disaster that some people would uh, would have you believe, or would think not would have you believe. At a Gaskell eighty eight says Jesse's best game in the United shirt for me. Uh, finally looked like a senior player uh, being uh, being decisive and important to the team uh, against Borough. That is, I, I think that's fair. I, you know, he's had good games in the United shirt before. He was really good against West Brom at home when he scored that real good goal. He's been obviously good in all the cup finals because they happen at Wembley. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was excellent today. Yeah, uh, very good with United breaking. A uh, c- couple of poor choices for passes. He had a, a chance near the end of the game. Um, Rashford down the left, Matter down the right. Could have played either ball. Basically played none until it was too late and United lost the chance. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. so, you know, the decision-making not always great. I mean, maybe you should just cut on the outside and add a shot because... That he's good at. Yeah, I was gonna. Maybe he was gonna. Maybe he was like waiting for, um, waiting for the defenders to backpedal at rapid pace to allow him the space for a shot. Um, but no, I mean, and, and I think generally one of the, the really outstanding qualities of his of his performance against Borough was his decision making and that like through ball through ball after through ball that Rashford was able to get on the end of. So you know, right. For the for the most part, and and the shocking thing, he scored an absolute worldie, and it wasn't at Wembley. Yeah, exactly. It was like almost as far away from Wembley as you can get while still playing in English football. Um, uh, our friend Simon Stevens says, "How shattered is our squad?" And related to that, when was the last time we played really well? When did we last play really well? I'm going to have to look at the fix just to say that. Well, um, qu- quite a long time ago. I mean, St Etienne at home played pretty good. Uh, Leicester away, pretty good at Leicester away. Leicester away, that's the one. Because St Etienne at home was slightly horrendous in the first half. Like we've really- yeah, West Ham away, pretty good there too. You know, all right. Um, uh, very controlled against West Brom away. Uh, de- you know, good baggy side. So, I don't know. There haven't been tons of stunningly good performances from United this season, have there? There have been a few where um, the goals have gone in, but, uh, you know, not not too many um, that you do, you're going to remember in 10 years' time. Uh, what, not, not that you would remember this in 10 years' time necessarily, but Watford at home on the 11th of February, uh, if Ibrahimovic had his shooting boots on that day, that would have been a million nil. Um, yeah. As it was, it was 2-0. It was a very all-round impressive performance. So I would say that was that was maybe the last good one, and and Leicester 
before that, a couple of days before that. Uh, at Lucas underscore M-U-T-D says, which was your most favourite Rankcast recording among the 300 episodes? Surely there must be some more memorable ones. Um, I think that my very favourite recording experience was probably the Champions League final in 2011. Uh, obviously, we were gutted by the end of that. Um, but the process of recording that in in a Weatherspoons in northwest London with the an absolutely incredible atmosphere that that was pretty special, I think. Uh, yeah, um, I, I guess it's you know the ones after the big games. The funny thing is, you know, started in two thousand and nine. Um, have I've won what a couple of titles in that time and two league titles, two couple league, of league titles. cups, and FA Cup, couple of Champions League finals. I, I guess they're all the highlights. You know, the twenty thirteen season would have been the real highlight, wouldn't it? Um, since then, it's it's been a lot of moaning, basically. <laughs> Uh, the one, the one that never went on the proper podcast feed after we signed Robin Van Persie, just because I've just got this image of sat next to you on the couch at your mum's flat because um, you were you were up in Birmingham visiting and you were quite drunk and just had this big grin on your face. It was really good. That was good. Um, also, the one after the FA Cup semi final last season, uh, I just couldn't talk, but it was. There was so much to talk about that that was fun. Uh, for me, like loads of the guest interviews, I know it's kind of become a running joke that I say I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by, but it's just always true because there always are guest interviews with people that I, I've wanted to speak to. So, um, what, what would you say if, if uh, Moisey uh, agreed to come on the pod? Just, you know. Oh, really? I'm absolutely del- delighted to be joined by <laughs> David Moyes. Would we say yes if Moyes wanted to come on the bus? Oh, God, yes. Okay. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Yeah. You might have to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and a related note, this is the self-indulgent podcast section, uh, at Heinlein, uh, it says, happy 300th podcast, guys. Thank you. Uh, what do you expect United to look like when you hit 400? So 400 is probably like two years away. So we'll be in the middle of the post-league title win Mourinho complete meltdown. <laughs> yeah, more, more like three years away. Okay. I think we, don't, we don't need 50 a season, no, do we? No, no, um, that's true. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll be just coming up to a Champions League quarterfinal and uh, defending our trophy. Yeah, winning, winning, yeah. winning the league under Diego Conte, Antonio Conte. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, uh, we'll be talking about whether Wayne Rooney will be going in the summer. <laughs> People will still be telling us he should be given a run at number nine. <laughs> wow, well, so um, uh, you, you uh, set us the task before this. Yeah, this, of, is a rank, uh, this is a Rankcast listener question from me. Yeah, of uh, naming your favourite 11 over this period. So we, we started in the summer, or just before the start of the 09-10 season, yeah. is that right? Yeah. The- so just after the Champions League final. Yeah. Uh, so Ronaldo had gone, so he can't be in any of our teams. Nope. Um, but uh, yeah, can can we put together an 11? Well, I guess we're probably going to agree on the goalkeeper. Yes, right? I'm not sure that one's particularly controversial. So, ben Foster. So Sergio Romero. <laughs> oh, we're both same gag, different keepers. Both <laughs> terrible. Although Romero, but, very good game against Rostov. Like, uh, Mourinho's just... Flappy Serge did well. He, yeah. I mean, I... I guess he'll play against Antelect at this point. I, I think there was a story during the rounds that Romero uh, wanted to was thinking about going, and Mourinho's really keen to keep him because obviously he's a very high quality second keeper. You know, um, he he would be a perfectly good Premier League goalkeeper for teams aiming to get to mid table. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. So so yeah, and back back for tricky one really because there haven't been any. Last five years or so, there haven't been anyone that's been any good, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's Fernand Vidic in the middle for me and Everett left back. I, I can't see past any of that. No, that, that, and then, that's, that's the same for me, although it's it's like, it's by default, really, because one of the criteria was this is their form during this period. So obviously it's Ferdinand Vidic all time, obviously. But this is kind of, mostly this was the bad period, but not really, because they didn't really start getting terrible until Moyes, did yeah, it? Yeah, no, I think that's fine, you know, and I think Ferdinand Vidic were good through to the, the Champions League final in 2011, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Right back, this is a hard one because, uh, you know, we've had a few right backs. Just about had Gary Neville in this time, although obviously it was, you know, it was bad Neville. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we've had Raphael, we've had Fabio, and we've had Valencia this season. And I guess, you know, just based on his form this season, I'd pick Valencia because he's, he's turned himself into, um, if not the best right back in the Premier League, very close to it, which is remarkable given what a liability he was when he first started playing this position. I've got my 2012-13 specs on here where I say Rafael da Silva. Like, his performance that season was magnificent um, in winning us the league. And given that Valencia's had also... I mean, they've both had bad games. But now I'm, I'm just going with Rafael because Valencia's good form hasn't won us the league yet. Uh, no, no. Raphael and, guided us to it single-handedly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, ignoring Robbie and Van Persie and, and all of that. Uh, in midfield, I mean, definitely Carrick for me. Uh, I know he's getting older, but he's, you know, he's been a, a really important part of the United side over the last eight years. Um, and um, and one matter just on the base of his numbers, really. I know he takes a lot of criticism, but, you know, he's got... A, He's got great numbers for a for a midfield player in terms of goals and uh, you know double figures in goals this season again um, and assists uh, some inconsistency there but you know you you look through United's um, you know m- midfielders over the last eight years and it's not always been very good has it um, it, it hasn't uh, been a, been a big problem so. Um, I was really struggling with the wide players, and maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll come up with an idea here because I, I don't think I can have gigs or skulls because they were you know aging. I, I picked skulls alongside Carrick from from two thousand and nine to now. I think Carrick. I've gone from four two three one, um, and so I've got Carrick and skulls as my two holding midfielders because I think they've done that job the best in that time. Um, yeah, but this I is did. properly old Paul Scholes and part of it was retired Paul Scholes. So. <laughs> no, yeah, but like even properly old Paul Scholes was just fun. Like Carrick and Scholes was our best midfield combination when in Scholes' last season, you know. Um, so I know I know it wasn't great, but I would definitely. And, and, and actually from like 2009 to what, 2011, there's a lot of really good Paul Scholes left in that in those first couple of years of podcasting. Yeah, guess so. Um, uh, the City goal, the City goal, the C- kissing Gary Neville, all that, yeah, that yeah. happened. That, you know, that was a good, good moment. But, you know, then then you pick Michael Owen, wouldn't you, based on one goal? <laughs> uh, he's like, <laughs> no, how, how do you know? You don't know who's up front for me yet. That might, that might be the moment. Very true. Um, you know, some notable mentions here for other United midfielders over this period. <laughs> Darren Fletcher, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's good. Yeah. Uh, Anderson, hmm. This was actually really like sadly. This was Darren Fletcher really like after the honours hit him as well. So that's not. Yeah, yeah. Anderson had like ten really great games in the <laughs> nine yeah. years we've been doing this. As Tom Cleverley probably had three. Uh, yeah, Cleverley Park. Yeah, uh, and I guess you've got to say Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, I have gone for as my three uh, attacking midfielders. I've gone for Mkhitaryan, Mata, and Martial. Which I think is, that's kind of interesting, but actually really heartening when I was thinking about this, because out of everyone that we've got to watch in those roles, they're definitely the three I would most enjoy watching in in the role. I think Martial had that wonderful season last season, and actually when he's been called upon this season, he's been real good. And Mkhitaryan has just, obviously he's played the fewest games by miles of anyone on this list, but he's absolutely lit up the place. Like, he's just a dream. He has, for for about 10 games, yeah. So, I think, hmm, I I don't know whether I could pick him. I'm I'm having him. Uh, He's in in our team, and we're allowed. (laughs) He he covers the bases. um, and up front, well, you've only left space for one striker, yep. which means you, you can only have Rooney or Van Persie. Oh. I, I would have picked both. Ooh, yeah, that's so. Ooh, ooh, ooh. See, see, I wouldn't have Mkhitaryan because I don't think he's earned it. Um, and right. uh, and I'd go for Rooney and Van yeah, Persie. Drop, drop Mkhitaryan, play Matara on the right because he actually has played like most of his games for United on the right. Martial on the left. Rooney and Van Persie up front. Yeah, you talked me into it. So I think I think we've almost got consensus. If if we go for say I drop my Raphael campaign and we go for De Gea, Valencia, Ferdinand, Vidic, Evra, and then we go for Mata, Carrick, Skulls, Martial, and Rooney, Van Persie up front. So it's it's a decent side. It's not a great side, is it? How do yeah. you think that side would have fared against not- say the ninety nine side or the two thousand and eight Champions League winning side? I think I, I think. Both, well, th- both would have beaten this side. 
at their peak, though, there's a lot of really good players in that team. Like we, we the Van Persie is phenomenal. We've we've got two 30 goal seasons from Rooney to to pick from. Ferdinand and Vidic, like the very tail end of their prime, probably got covered by this period. So you know, there's a, there's some there's some real good players in that. I think if you think of the kind of plodding worst of them, then it would be bad. But it's it's not a bad side. Yeah. Very good. I think, yeah, yeah, very good. Um, let's do just do a few more listener questions before we call it a day, given it is episode 300 and we're not doing any previews. Uh, at Lloyd Stokes LLO1 says, we slightly disappointed Valencia didn't smash it in a la Marcus Rashford. You had thoughts on yeah, this? Yeah, well, actually, I was, I was disappointed he didn't get down on his knees and head it in. I mean, come on. <laughs> you, one time in your career you have a chance to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phil Hart up on Twitter at level two rogue. A brilliant tweet when I said all four goals were the result of absolutely terrible defending. And he goes, technically, uh, United's third goal was a result of really good defending by them because Middlesbrough can't score if we're hammering in the back of the net. Just kind of kind of a good tweet, I thought. Um, which winning United goal did you celebrate the most? Like crazy levels, leaving aside our 99 Champions League winner, says at Gadfather. Well. Why, why do we have to leave aside the 99 Champions League winner? You just have to leave it. You have to leave that one out. You just got to leave it out. What was what was the one apart? What was the goal you celebrated the second most? Uh, ever. Uh, well, Steve Bruce yeah. scoring at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. And I fell down yeah. the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, watching on TV, that might be mine. Or oh, maybe Cantona's against Newcastle in uh, 97, 96, 97, yeah, yeah. March 97. So I didn't actually fall down the stairs, I fell over the seats. So, uh, um, yeah, so, you know, it's gone crazy. Someone's fallen into the back of me. I've fallen down the seats. I get up and the next thing I see is Brian Kidd on his knees on the pitch. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Um, I think in person, easily Martial's winner in the semi-final. That was I just completely lost it at that. It was because I have only really started going to United regularly in my later years. So yeah, that was that was definitely that. Um, <laughs> why does every podcast think I need a website or a razor? Asks at nine eight seven underscore Sean. Honestly, like. I just cracked and signed up to Cornerstone just so I was supporting podcasting in general because I never I've never bought anything off Squarespace or any of the ones that stamps.com like Mark Marin really hates going to the post office. Um all our defenders have matching yellow boots says Aaron McCarthy. Is it planned like a boy band? Such a terrible boy band. I, I'm not in favour of yellow boots. No, don't. What, do you, oh no, you're going to go with what's wrong with black boots, aren't you? Ed? No, I, I really couldn't care. Of all the things in modern football that might annoy me, boot colour isn't isn't. Mm. Okay, um, oh, it's a great question from at Joel Downings, who says. Which members of the current squad will reach 300 United appearances? Only Rooney and Carrick have 300 currently. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, some of the younger players could do. Rashford, Lingard, Martial could do. Depends how long they stay at the club. Also, depends how long Mourinho stays at the club because the thing about changing managers is you change a whole host of players as well. Um, Valencia, he's got quite a lot. Hasn't he, hasn't he got more than 300 appearances for United now? Carrick clearly I'm, has, Rooney clearly has. Um, of the others, I'm not sure. Uh, so Antonio Valencia that, 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 that has 219 starts and 60 substitute appearances. So he's on 279 overall. Um, are there any players, uh, any other players? So I guess he's definitely going to hit it. It doesn't look to me like there's any other players troubling 300 that are currently in the squad. I mean, yeah, Pogba you'd think could get there. Oh, David De Gea, if he stays another couple of seasons, is going to get there because he's on 259 now. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there are a whole bunch of young yeah. players who could make it there. We'll see, you know. Uh, Jones and Smalling have been at the club a long time now. Depends how. Not sure that they should be at the club much Smalling's on summer, 234 we'll appearances, uh, including subs. Right. Jones is on 12. Yeah, um, Eric Bailly, he's only 22. You know, stays a decade at the club, he's going to reach that. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, it's possible. It's possible. 
At, the, at this rate, <laughs> Fellaini will probably make it to 600 United appearances. Take some doing to get to 300 United appearances. There are only 56 people that have ever done it. Nemanja Vidic on exactly 300 appearances is the 56th most record appearance member. No one in the current United squad is going to get to 963 appearances, though. No. All right, shall we... Uh, oh, one more. At Dan underscore B94, is Antonio Valencia our player of the season? Mm, not sure, but I, I think it's hard to say there's been, you know, a definite outstanding performer. I mean, Zlatan's obviously got all the goals. Um, should have had a lot more. And there have been some pretty dodgy performances. Pogba's been brilliant and they're not brilliant. Depends where you set the bar in terms of, you know, expectations or just versus other players. Herrera's been very good at times and not matter same there so um you know a, a lot of candidates and and no outstanding choice no uh, it's, and it's kind of interesting i'm sure ibrahimovic will just win all the awards though like he'll definitely win players player won't he and i suspect he'll probably win fans player too um but it'll be interesting to see what the kind of critics say like the people that not necessarily the kind of popularity contest bits but the the analysis people i'll be interested to see who they who they've all got because because uh, there's a lot of pros and cons on each Talking of pros and cons on each, the pros of doing 300 podcasts uh, vastly outweigh the cons. Massive thank you to everyone who has listened to us over these years. And if you are the person that's listened to all of them, let us know. Uh, and an extra huge thanks to everyone that's chosen to uh, start support us over on uh, Patreon, where we run a crowdfunding um, thing for this podcast to keep it going for hopefully another 300 episodes. Um, although I don't know, I don't know whether that happen but it's it's possibility at this point well it's made it awful lot easier by uh, our producer tom who's been doing this for four years now i don't know how many he's edited but it's got to be well over 100 yeah absolutely now. um yeah uh he's he's the rank cast mvp and uh patreon backers would have heard from producer tom on on the last show we did uh, and if they stay tuned if you if you do back us um you get yourself access to some extra content every week um and uh you can you can stay tuned get involved over at patreon.com slash rankcast if you want your to add your name to that list and uh we'll be back with another podcast we think during the international break all being uh all being possible for you ed because yeah. uh, you know if you need to take paternity breaks we're a we're a conscientious employer here at the <laughs> is that right no 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 let's uh let's do it and we can hopefully talk about um all the mysterious injuries united players have picked up just before heading off for their uh their national team games and therefore not playing i'm going to assume that Mourinho is going to pull a few tricks there um and uh, and the ones that do play well fingers crossed that they don't all get injured yeah absolutely all right we will uh, we'll see you next week